your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the official podcast of Off Tackle Empire. This is Steve Braun. This is Andrew Krzyzewski. You know, here at the beginning of the offseason, all weight is good weight, right? Indeed. Yes, we are coming to you with a special series recording live from the frozen hellscape that is the middle of April in Michigan, Love Shack Studios in Troy. Well, I wouldn't say it's frozen anymore. I mean, it's been raining for a solid 77 hours now, so any ice probably has melted, but uh, it is not a time when you want to be outside or look at outside or think about outside. So it's springtime in Michigan. Better known as winter too. So uh, after the off se- after the wintry off season, then we had uh, uh, most of the teams by this point have wrapped up winter ball, and then they're going to look to go into you know into into the the winter session of school, and then get into winter training camp to uh, to get to the start of the winter next game. Winter. That's what everyone looks forward to in the off season is the winter games. Yeah, they kick off the beginning of that next winter, and then it goes into like. You know the more severe parts of winter after the next season. So and at least two winter games have been canceled. Michigan called theirs off altogether. Indiana's moved their game from outdoors to indoors. I think that's all I heard about with those. But yeah, a lot of winter games facing some difficulty with the winter conditions. And we have a win fight try Brewster of the week that we're gonna enjoy by four twenty eighteen. You gotta obey the can, and that's what it says. So. And you should enjoy this podcast by then, because this first one is going to be accompanying our Big Ten 2018 Illinois Week, as this entire podcast series is supposed to do. We're gonna have a discussion of each team that overlaps with the Big Ten 2018 Week that we're doing, and this these are going to be dank. These are going to be fresh. Let's see just how much we actually know. Yeah, you know, even here in the chilly reaches of the offseason, again, it only being April, we can't expect it to be pleasant. Um, we got the hottest it takes for you on all, how many teams? We still, it's still just 14 teams. Yeah, so so we, we at least will be able to get this done in a couple doses. We'll try to keep it relatively timely, and if there are any major events that occur, we'll cover those as well. But for the most part, we can just sort of, uh, you know, pirate a lot of content written by team-specific sites and then put our spit on that. So that's going to be our style here um, at Off Plagiarism Empire. Yes, and as we record this right now, it is the eve of Illinois week, and I have yet to actually get writing. But it being the eve of Illinois week, let's uh, let's talk about their 2017. Let's uh, we're done talking about their 2017. So, off-season stories, not really a whole lot to say other than that we had a lot of transfers once again. Uh, I think we had our second season with double-digit transfers. Uh, we lost a lot of deaf players, but also some starting defenders. Linebacker Trey Watson transferred to Maryland, as well as uh, two guys that got a lot of starts in Patrick Nelson and Stanley Green, both safeties. Um, this is just kind of part of the whole revolution of Lovey Smith bringing in his own players and displacing everybody else. There's pretty much nobody left on the roster but Lovey Smith players and Mike Dudek at this point. The other, uh, you know, but th- this is the way that he wants it. This is his vision. And to be fair, you know, those are classes full of Big Ten level players and things are only building. Now, the other offseason story is that the 2019 class uh, has added three recruits and two of them are top 100 players, one of them being five star Isaiah Williams, who I discussed a number of times in the actual season podcast last year. So our. Our assistants were using this hashtag Liddyville on Twitter as, like, shorthand for Champaign-Urbana. And I just, like, every time I saw it, I cringed. Cringe city. But, yeah, hashtag Liddyville. Uh, hashtag Liddy Gang, Liddy Gang, Liddy Gang. And, all right, whatever. Fine, they're now making hashtag Liddyville merchandise. And, uh, 
If it's going to get us these top 100 players, fine. Fine, I'm in. I'm in. I'm not an old. God, I hate what football has become. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I just, uh, Cheers. If, you know... If uh, Lovey Smith, at, uh, what? How old is he? He's he's ageless. He could be he could be forty or he could be seventy five. I feel like anywhere in that range, you could tell me and I would believe it. But so yeah, I mean some promising signs for Illinois in the future. But what what has to be reemphasized based on the offseason developments is that this year is probably going to be another heap and helping of pain. Um, and then specifically when you talk about, for example, bringing in Isaiah Williams as an elite quarterback prospect, well the problem there is all your other quarterbacks are all already young so once he comes in does he get the job right away does he sit behind a couple guys who have been here for a couple seasons already and then you develop him and wait for when he's actually ready or do you does the pressure to win mount sufficiently that smith has no real choice but to throw him in whether he's ready or not to be honest that feels like the same type of mistake that uh, tim beckman would have made for example when he pitched aaron bailey in for no reason and wasted a season of his eligibility not that he ended up staying for his full eligibility anyway but yeah if i'm not mistaken that red shirt got burned in that game at soldier field against washington and uh i thought it was the wisconsin game oh no 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 that was that was another year that was two years later it was his freshman year there were various points in each of his three years that his red shirt got burned the first one made sense because they 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 actually nearly pulled even with washington late in that game it was pretty exciting. But yeah, then the next two made absolutely no sense. Well, all right. And so that kind of segues us into our discussion of where Illinois' quarterback situation is for this year, which is basically, let's see which of these two freshmen is going to be worth trotting out under center until they get hurt, most likely. Yeah, honestly, the quarterback production is going to depend a lot more on what happens with the development of the new offense. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Rob Smith, uh, not the former Broncos wide receiver, but a uh, uh, Long-time Rich Rodriguez assistant came over from Arizona, of course, before Rich Rodriguez's whole situation blew up. Um, but this is the kind of uh, offense, if he's going to run the same kind of thing that Rodriguez has been running, that would favor a very athletic quarterback that can, uh, you know, that can find the, you know, that has the ability to extend plays and make quick reads. So we've got some guys that were runners in college, uh, or not in college, we got some guys that were runners in high school coming in. The two freshmen that we have, Karan Taylor and MJ Rivers. But I actually feel like Cam Thomas being the only scholarship quarterback that we have for spring ball is almost certainly going to get the start, just based on the fact that I, I don't think that Rob Smith's offense is going to ask as much of him throwing the ball. And, you know, there is some indication that outside of quarterback, Illinois is in a pretty good position that there are skill spots. Now, I don't, it, the type of offense you're describing isn't typically going to make much use of the tight end, so the fact that I can't think of one on Illinois' roster probably isn't going to matter much. Lewis Dorsey, damn. But at the uh, at running back and receiver, Illinois has a number of promising guys. Obviously, Mike Epstein, unfortunately, was lost for injury last year, but he should be back, I think, right? Oh, yeah, he's, he's definitely at 100%. I feel like uh, in these past few years, and this might be a year that's like this as well, I feel like the staff has been really, really cautious with injuries because they know they're building for the future. So so there's no point in pushing a guy exactly. to play if he's less 100%. You know, don't push him to return. I mean, Mike Dudek left uh, in, a, in a game which, during what was clearly a lost season with some what they described as internal injuries, all right, well, he's got more to play for this year. 
I mean, with what he's been through the last few years, I think he's probably got a dislocated soul by now. But, yeah, Dudek will be back. Ricky Smalling showed some promise last year. And then Mike Epstein as the lead running back should hopefully slot everyone else who carried the ball down a position and responsibility so that the whole thing comes together a little bit better. Um, and now, Kim Thomas's strength is that he was a really good runner and very, very quick, very elusive. So when you think about the quarterbacks that uh, Rob Smith has, has coached, you have, uh, well, you have Khalil Tate just last year. Of course, you have uh, Pat White at West Virginia. Uh, I mean, those kind of things. I'm not saying that this is necessarily a guy that is com- comparable to them, but he'll be asked to do similar things and has a skill set to capitalize on those assignments. It's not the kind of thing we need to memorize in the 80-page playbook to be able to run those concepts necessarily. So some indication that he might be able to pick that up quick, which would be a big help for Illinois' offense, because as you mentioned, what we saw last year was just a hot pile of garbage. Um, I, I usually, I'm usually uh, afraid to say things like, it can't possibly get any worse because, you know... It, it totally can, sure, but it, it really literally cannot. There were three teams in FBS worse than Illinois last year. There is no way that it'll be worse. No, Absolutely also, none. when you say no way that it'll be worse, it all depends on your perspective of worse, right? Because, sure, they might not be worse relative to the rest of college football, but they could certainly be worse from absolute perspectives. Like, their yardage could drop, their efficiency could drop, their points per game could drop. There's plenty of room to get worse. Uh, it can always be, it can always continue to rain, as living here should have told you for the last <laughs> several days. Um, so, that being said, let's wrap up the offensive preview sort of and what do you expect from the line well i expect the line to be very young again we've got no upperclassmen on this line we started a lot of true freshmen last year and you saw with you saw that with all of the uh, missed assignments you saw that with the way that we kept running that uh we kept running that delayed handoff out of the backfield in the shotgun that would get blown up for six yard loss i mean things like that but most exemplary of this is uh Larry Boyd getting called for being ineligible downfield like three times in one game. We're going to have those kind of growing pains. Uh, We're recruiting some, we've been recruiting just raw, very large, very muscular men. And uh, it remains to see if they'll be developed. Uh, All right. If you if if our listeners, by the way, should hear the the ambient sounds of dog tags clinking or dog nails clicking on the floor, um, he's just extremely anxious right now. He's being very needy. Um. The thing about Love Shack Studios is that it's it's not an independent entity. It's kind of we we, we kind of share it with some dogs. Look, man, they pay their part of the rent on time. All right, so we're not really in a position to complain. So all right, so and and, and they wolf when things are dangerous outside. So we've kind of covered um, Illinois from an offensive perspective. Um, defensively, based on last year's results, there was a lot more to be optimistic about, with the potential exception of one unit sorely lacking in both depth and just starter-level bodies altogether. Um, take us through that unit by unit. Well, the defense actually, you know, last year was doing enough for the most part to keep us in the game if we had any semblance of an offense. But the defensive line is what I'm most excited about. They're, they're stacked. They're just about the only group that actually managed to redshirt players, but they redshirt some quality players um <clears throat> and there were and there were guys who played who were promising as well i think roundtree was a guy who left out bobby roundtree and that 
Bobby Roundtree is a guy like uh, you know the spotlight player I'm going to mention who was not very well recruited and ended up being able to hold his own in the Big Ten as a true freshman, which really, um, yeah, obviously we're pressing more true freshmen than most people into action, but it, it speaks to the recruiting acumen of this staff that they're that they're able to find people that actually perform at the very least up to the you know to the ratings that they're given. Yeah, and between the decent performances they got from younger players last year and the fact they've got guys coming off of red shirts, that means that the two best recruits they have coming in, they could conceivably redshirt one of those guys, maybe even both. Now it's not likely that they're going to be in a, that they're going to want to do that because they're going to want to get these kids out there. They may be viewing them as guys who could even leave before their eligibility is done for good reasons. Um, but yeah, Calvin Avery and I forget the other guy's name. Virtus Brown. Um, right. The two high level Texas guys, right? Uh, Virtus Brown is a Florida guy. Brown is Florida, right. So <clears throat> guys from these talent pipeline states, the types that you really want to pull um, if you have the option. Um, the possibility that you could keep one or both of those guys out of action and preserve them for the future is it shows that the defensive line at least is in a much better place than most of the rest of the roster. I've been saying to anybody who will listen for about a year now that in 2019, the Illinois defensive line is going to be kind of terrifying. And uh, if this trend continues, then yeah, I mean, I, I think that they'll play that they'll both play this year because they want to get some reps in because 2019 is going to be the year that he's really building towards to when we can expect that we'll really turn a corner and start actually competing with people on a, you know, by people I just mean anybody in the Big Ten Conference. <laughs> just just um, literally just be, being in the fourth quarter of any game in this conference would be great. And this line is going to have to do a great job at stopping the run because once they get past the line, there is not much at the linebacker position cavernous expanses of central Illinois. Very good metaphor for the location of the school in the terms of what the run support behind the line is going to be. Trey but, Watson's been racking up a lot of tackles. Um, of course, then he transferred. So now we basically have Delshawn Phillips. We have Jake Hansen coming off a season-ending injury. Um, we're probably going to see uh, true freshman Kalen Tolson. A big problem I have with the linebacker depth here is that we came so close but ultimately missed out on a pair of four-star linebackers that would have put this 18 class over the top. Uh, a little disappointed that Lovey Smith and Hardy Nickerson can't get linebackers because well, we don't like have that many. It's not like I heard guy, those guys know anything about the position, right? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, as, as I kind of alluded to earlier, linebacker is a pretty clear Achilles heel for the defense. Um, the secondary, though, is maybe a little bit more of a mixed bag. Yeah, well, we lost uh, our most experienced player in Jalen Dunlap, who graduated. And so, once again, like every other position, got a lot of underclassmen. Um, <clears throat> that being said, we've been recruiting a lot of corners, and it feels like our base defense is almost certainly going to be oriented around a four-two-five or a nickel concept. Only by lack of choice. Yeah, but I, th- I think that's. I think recruiting has also shown that that's the direction he wants to head in. Or the direction we want to head in because we've been recruiting you know some fairly physical type corners and safeties um, of course we'll have uh, Tony Adams coming off an injury uh, he was a promising freshman last year Nate Hobbs our return man cornerback we've got uh, these are a lot of guys that uh, are gonna be we're, we're gonna be rotating a lot of guys in here but the leader of this unit is uh, the guy I want to highlight is Bennett Williams who has shown himself to be a real physical run-stopping safety. He, I think we uh, beat Cal Poly for him, uh, and he was a two-star recruit, and uh, you know he's been flying around lighting people up. Uh, reminds me of Clayton Fedulum, actually, in that regard, uh, who was the anchor of the last really good defense Illinois had. All right, and so 
we'll transition then from what we expect to see from returning units to kind of a review of how the school did with their last recruiting class and what you expect to see in terms of early playing time. Names that people will not have heard before, even if they've followed the Big Ten beyond their own school. Oh man, we're going to have just an amazing amount of freshmen get playing time yeah. once again. We mentioned Avery and Brown both on the defensive line earlier as being kind of standout guys you'd expect to see even on better teams. Um, who else do we expect to see playing for Illinois? I would expect Kalen Tolson only because the linebacking core is so thin. Those are really the the biggest names that uh, that jumped out to me as guys that are almost certainly going to play. I mean, outside of them, literally anybody could play, but they're they're the most likely to be regular starters. Um, this was overall a decent class, um, around 50th in the country, but the fact that they didn't really bring in linebackers was the only thing that concerned me. But still, this was, you know, a second top 50 area class in a row, which is what really Illinois needed was to stock class after class worth of replacement level Big Ten depth. Yeah, and given where they had come from the classes before that, it's really not a bad place to be. So we will take a quick spin now through the Illinois schedule. Um, The non-conference first three weeks of the season, some of our teams have been mixing non-conference games later in the year, Um, opening with Kent State, Western Illinois, and then USF, which is not technically a home game, but is played at Soldier Field. So it should be more of a home game for you, certainly, than it is for them. What do you see in the non-conference? Well, Kent State should definitely be a win. That is a very, very, very moribund program. Um, Gus could not survive the loss of Daryl Hazel. I will still never understand how that whole Daryl Hazel-Kent State thing happened. Because he, found, he found Dree Archer. That's yeah. really about all. That's all yeah. there really is to it. You get an uh, athlete that dominates the Mac like that, and yeah. yeah, you can just... Yeah, a transformational player like that can get you a long way in a group of five. And I've had September 8th of 2018 circled on my calendar for a long time because I expect Illinois to be a heavy favorite against the uh, in-state rival Western Illinois Levinex. Um And I have... Fighting, I go to... Fighting Levinex. <laughs> I go to Illinois games every year, and I have not attended an Illinois win since uh, we somehow beat Penn State because James Franklin lost his mind back in 2014. So it'll be uh, four years since I last seen a win. I'm going to that one because, damn it, I, I just I just want to see a win. I miss it. <laughs> I've I've seen uh, I've seen a black guy win a NASCAR race more recently than I have seen Illinois win a football game. Damn, bro. Um, so the South Florida game last year was competitive initially. Uh, also interesting in that the teams made a game effort in the first half to set the record for penalties in a single game. Uh, ultimately did not do that, and the score opened up a bit at the end. But USF is going to be starting a new quarterback after Quentin Flowers moved on. Uh, he was a guy I really liked. How do you feel about that one? Well, I actually feel better about it than I did last year. I know that uh, I did say in the week leading up to the game, I got a little bit drunk on the orange Kool-Aid, and I said, oh, let, we're going to take it to him. But only because they just got disrupted by a hurricane. Now... I think that the talent graduating should be a, a you know should should give us in theory an advantage. I mean, I don't think that they can easily replace a guy like Quentin Flowers. But the other thing that I think is worth considering is that I, I know a, a Texas football diehard who uh, with whom I've had a conversation about Charlie Strong essentially being kind of like a much more articulate, much more likable Tim Beckman that actually cares oh. for his players' health. Damn. Um, and explain to me that when Charlie Strong is at Louisville, like. All of the big wins that he had, there was an amazing amount of statistics that can only be explained by luck. They were all single digits. They all had a big turnover margin. And 
the guy seems likable enough, but yeah, this uh, this is the guy that won our fantasy football, uh, college fantasy football league last year. This is no small task. Um, but yeah, well, yeah. I would. <laughs> well, all right. So I would say that Illinois could have a chance in that one. Again, this all hinges on whether or not the offense comes together. All right, and then taking a tour through the conference slate, the crossovers are manageable. Penn State's not an easy one, but you do get Rutgers and Maryland, albeit both on the road. Uh, no the thing Ohio that worries State. me, uh, sorry to cut you off, but the thing that worries me about Penn State is that we've got this nice little streak going where it's been since late 2016 that we haven't been shut out. and uh, Despite having a terrible offense, we didn't get shut out last year. I'm worried that comes to an end against Penn State. Well, that's also at home, and you know, Penn State's defense maybe doesn't get the credit that they've deserved for how good they've been the last couple years, but they don't strike me as a group that's going to be special this year. They're replacing some guys at key positions as well. They've recruited perfectly, you know, I mean, excellent, so they'll, they'll probably be a far better team, but a shutout on the road is always a difficult thing to accomplish, so I don't know if I'd be, I mean, to be sure, I'm putting that in a Penn State near lock for a victory, but I don't know about um, getting shut out. Looking down the schedule the only other game that i think for sure is beyond illinois reach would be going to camp randall um, you're not going to win that yes but the reason i say penn state is going to be a bigger ass kicking is because uh they've got uh, an offense and a coach that likes to run up the score and can do so prolifically we held wisconsin to 24 to 10 only because it's wisconsin we know what they're doing well, sure, but if you think back when Wisconsin, I mean, maybe this was more of a Brett Bielema thing, but even in recent years, when Wisconsin has an advantage, those scores get ugly because if you can't stop what they do, it's what teams do when they're up big anyway, so their game plan doesn't change with a big lead. So, But you're forgetting the fact that we are Penn State's sworn rival because six years ago, an idiot coach attempted to recruit their players after a, after a major scandal and we actually succeeded in getting a third-string offensive tackle who never played a snap for Illinois. So that means that we are now their eternal unholy rivals, and they need to burn us at every opportunity. Uh, well, look, I mean, there are worse reasons for blood rivals in college sports. I mean, tell me what the keg and nails is all about, and I'll, you know, whatever <laughs> story you make up, I would believe. Uh, so Penn State and Wisconsin, I think we agree that those are probably going to be in the loss column for Illinois. Um, we would split most of the rest into toss-ups and should-be wins. Now, uh, I would say toss-ups and should-be losses. There's nothing that should be a win. There's no game I expect to win. Oh, well, yeah, I, there were going to be additional categories, but in the case of Illinois, with all due respect, I don't know that there are any in the conference slate that are going to be should-be wins. Um, do you view any of these other remaining games as toss-ups, even? Oh, yeah. Actually, a fair amount of them are toss-ups to me. Um, in that when I think about the games that, God, if we only could have gotten a few less three and outs, we really could have been in it. Yeah, I think Illinois Rutgers, um, how embarrassing our offense and special teams was in that game. Purdue, um, Minnesota for sure. Um, that was our only that was our only single digit loss last year. Maryland's a big unknown, and we'll get to that we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, there's a number of these games I think with toss ups. I think Iowa's probably going to beat us pretty soundly. I'd say Nebraska will do the same, be, only because it's later in the year and they'll have gotten there. If we caught them early, so it might be possible. Their first year under Scott Frost, you would expect by then they'll be showing considerable improvement over where they might be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and, and Northwestern, no matter how much better they are than us on paper, I, I basically never have an expectation that this game will go one way or the other. Um, until like up until it actually happens, by which time I usually think it'll be Northwestern. But I always am pretty sure that there's a chance that uh, that it'll happen because Northwestern's never really that good. 
And so from a record perspective, it sounds like you're probably looking for something in the three and nine area. Those first two games should absolutely be in the win column. If they're not, that's a big problem. Regardless of the status of the roster and what Smith had to do, I get that he's got reasons for losing a lot of games at this point, but those are two opponents that a Big Ten team really should have no problem putting down. And then you you think that there is a third win somewhere in this calendar, that we're not going to see a repeat of last year. We come out of the gate with two wins and then just not phone it in the rest of the way, but you certainly aren't winning any more games. You think there's one more in there somewhere. I'll tell you what. If we lose either of the first two games, I will lose my mind. If we win any of our last ten games, I will lose my mind, but it'll be in a good way. Um, Any number of those wins would be important to me. The South Florida one would be a pretty big deal just, you know, in, in showing that, you know, the Chicago thing is not a bad idea from a brand perspective. And then any of the other ones would put a stop to this Big Ten losing streak, which, of course, Illinois has managed to rack up some impressive ones. Um, we're approaching the one from a few years ago, and uh, it could things could get out of hand if we can't stop it this year. But I think that we're probably looking at 3-9, and nine, hoping for 4-8. and eight. Bowl is probably out of the question. 3-9, and nine, folks. Optimism abounds. Your source for Big Ten talk! Get tough, tackle! And 